You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Thursday, January 26th of 2023. As you heard in our spectacular open, my name is Alex Reamer, and you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, you know the drill by now. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. Our listener numbers have been through the roof over the last couple months, and this month in particular, so I thank you for all of your devoted listenership. Uh, Lots of good ways you can find the show, and it seems like you all are doing that. So, great. That's awesome, because uh, doing the show to an audience of nobody uh, would not be nearly as fun. I have a couple guests lined up for you here this week, and I'll get to them in a few moments, talking all things NFL playoff announcers and Fox's big whiff when it comes to their studio lineup. Uh, this got a lot of traction on Twitter over the weekend. Seven men, zero women. And uh, many of these men, and I'll include Rob Gronkowski at the top, uh, really are not providing much in the way of insight on Fox's studio shows. So I'll get to that in a bit, in a, in a few moments, as I said. But a couple topics I want to hit on quickly here at the start of the show. Last week on this pod, I spent a lot of time talking about Tom Brady and his broadcasting future, and I said that Brady's broadcasting career is already a failure if he's not a part of Fox's Super Bowl coverage, and it does not look like he's going to be, or at least he won't be in the booth, according to reports. And though Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson certainly lack name recognition, uh, they're really good together, and Olson was spectacular during the fourth quarter of that Cowboys 49ers game. Uh... Right on the action, eviscerating Mike McCarthy, and rightfully so for his punt decisions and taking their time and not taking advantage of the two-minute warning. And Olsen really, really on top of the action. Uh, Again, he may not be the biggest name in NFL broadcasting right now, but he might very well be the best analyst. And after listening to him, Cowboys 49ers, uh, I definitely think that he is Super Bowl ready. But still, Tom Brady, Fox signed him to a 375 Million dollar deal. The Bucks were eliminated from the playoffs in the wild card round. So about a month in between Brady's last playoff game and the Super Bowl in early February, um, you know, should be more than enough time for him to get ready and call a game, be part of the booth. If Fox, you know, if he wanted to, if Fox wanted him to, and he would add that star power, right? Because one must assume that's why Fox gave Tom Brady all this money for the star power, and yet. Not going to be part of their Super Bowl plans. And he's probably not going to work for Fox next year either. He wants to play at age 46 in the NFL. So that's why I say Tom Brady's broadcasting career already lining up to be a failure before it starts. And overall, the whole Brady storyline, 
just wearing me out. And his free agency chase hasn't even started yet. We have to wait until the middle of March for all that fun stuff. Uh, and the new low for Brady came this week on his Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray, Scratchy. And, I mean, this was some of the most canned and fake and scripted swearing that I've ever heard. And that includes movies in which every line is scripted. Um, so Jim Gray asked Brady about retirement. What's he thinking? And Brady said, I'm sure you've heard the audio by now. Jim, if I knew what I was going to effing do, I would have effing done it. Okay, I'm taking it one day at a time. And of course, Brady's expletive-laden response to a big reaction. That's probably exactly what he wanted. You know, since its inception, Brady's podcast, the Let's Go podcast, has served as another promotional wing of the TB12 empire. I mean, that was apparent last year when Brady used the show to push his 10-part Man in the Arena docuseries and talk about how his sudden retirement reflected a desire for him to spend more time with his family. And that retirement, of course, lasted all 45 days. Um, So the notion that Brady would be ambushed on his own podcast is absurd. I mean, Gray would not broach a subject that Brady didn't want to answer. There's no way that Tom Brady is not getting these questions ahead of time. And this expletive rate in response, this fake and scripted blow up is really just another mechanism to keep Brady in the news and keep everybody on their he on their toes. I mean, nobody seems to believe Brady's actually going to retire this year, especially now that he's divorced. His devotion to football was reported crux of his unsalvageable disagreement with Giselle. But right now, in late January, with free agency again, a month and a half away still, it does not help Brady to fully acknowledge he intends on playing in 2023. It's better for the brand, as I said, to keep up the ambiguity. It keeps him in the news. And the best way to make a quick headline is to drop a bunch of F-bombs. So just scripted, stupid stuff from Tom Brady. And I can't believe that anybody, for a second, actually thought that Jim Gray, like, ambushed him on his own podcast. And that's that's ridiculous. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, But what's even more ridiculous than Tom Brady fake swearing is, uh, and I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this, but just these insane DeMar Hamlin conspiracies that I'm sure you're seeing all over Twitter. I mean, DeMar Hamlin has been trending the last couple of days. Thank you, Elon Musk. This is the kind of, this is what freedom of speech means, right? We have so anti-vax conspiracy theorists can say that DeMar Hamlin actually did die on the field that Monday night of cardiac arrest. And uh, the DeMar Hamlin, who is at Sunday's Bills game, Bills Bengals in the snow at Orchard Park, Uh, Yeah, that wasn't him because the camera shots didn't clearly show his face. Never mind that we've seen videos of DeMar Hamlin FaceTiming, um, you know, and never mind the fact that obviously he's alive. I mean, is this is like the lowest of the low. Is it not? I mean, how low will these people go? Now they are saying that DeMar Hamlin is actually dead and this is just a body double. 
it's it's outrageous stuff and look for it to gain more traction in the coming days I'm telling you I mean I don't think it's too far off from when Tucker Carlson maybe drops a little hint on his show not saying just saying about DeMar Hamlin like hmm we haven't really seen him have we makes you think it's 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 so grotesque and it just shows that people have no limits people have no limits and in today's day and age, they're free to spout it. And and not just free to spout it, you can always spout whatever you want, but it gains a big audience and this stuff catches on like wildfire. And it's just, it's so inane, but people believe inane things. And, but what makes this especially gross is again, it's, 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 it's using this horrible incident that happened on the football field and it's, it's using it to push an anti-vax conspiracy, and then Hamlin's remarkable recovery, saying that that's a fraud. It's just, it's really weird stuff. It's really weird. It's beyond the pale. Ugh, so that's it. That, that's all hopefully we can talk about DeMar Hamlin and these insane conspiracy theories. But I have a couple of guests for you on the show coming up. Uh, first, Kate Majuk is a senior content creator for Gaming Society, an NFL writer as well. Um, she was one of many people who was tweeting about Fox's all-male studio lineup. Seven dudes, no women. So I talked to Kate about the lack of female representation on these NFL studio shows, what Fox is missing by not including their perspective, and it's a good conversation about women in sports media and all the barriers that they still face, even now in 2023. And then after that, uh, Jesse Pantusco from Odyssey. Yes, some Odyssey cross-pollination joins me on the show to talk about all things NFL playoff broadcasts. Tony Romo continues to invite the vitriol. Uh, Greg Olson, as I said, was great. Uh, What lessons can we learn from the Greg Olson experience this year? And how much interest is there really in a Mike and the Mad Dog reunion? ESPN is pairing them back together this upcoming Wednesday. So I talked to Jesse about all of that as well. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer. Thank you, as always, for listening. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and welcome back to the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. I was saying the open. Uh, very excited to have on Kate Majuk, who is a senior content creator for Gaming Society and NFL Voice that uh, you may have seen on Twitter. Kate, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing fantastic. I uh, am excited to join you to talk about uh, some female representation in sports because uh, you know, I'm, I'm always here pumping my fist, uh, asking for more of it and, uh, to, to see, you know, some allies in the space. It's always, uh, it's always so comforting to see and, and God, we love allies. Yeah, we do. Yes. And, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> part of the LGBTQ community. So we know the importance of allies, of course. And, uh, yeah, great to have, a a woman on to talk about the lack of female representation in sports would have been kind of strange if I had a guy on to do this. So I thank you (laughs) for joining me. Um, So you're one of several people uh, over the weekend on Twitter who was tweeting about Fox's all male studio NFL lineup, seven men, 
zero women, uh, which in 2023 is really quite an anomaly. Um, just firstly, what's your reaction when you see something like that? Um, like just off the cuff reaction. It's an yeah. eye roll. It's an yeah. eye roll. Like I, I, so just very, very basic, right? Um, my initial reaction is it, it's an eye roll and it's frustrating because I have so many female voices in sports that I absolutely love to listen to. Yeah. Where are those voices? Cause they're nowhere to be found. And it's, it's super frustrating. There's so many talented uh, females in the space. And uh, honestly, then, you know, your gut reaction as you have that eye roll is to go to Twitter, start scrolling. <laughs> and then you read the comments and it's mm. really hard not to walk away, you know, from, from that scrolling. It's, it's doom scrolling. It's, yeah. um, it's disheartening, but I, I mean, that initial gut reaction, like, why are we still gatekeeping sports media to former players, to former head coaches? Because the last I checked, this is not, uh, you know, former coaching experience and former NFL player experience does not a entertainer make. Yeah. At least in no. sports media. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think that Gronk, who's part of Fox's pregame lineup now, is the perfect example of that. Uh, he stinks in that role. Um, I think it's apparent he doesn't really prepare. I don't think he's particularly well-spoken in that forum either. And you contrast that with someone like Mina Kimes, who I think, Kate, is one of the best NFL analysts going today because it's so clear that she puts in the work. She watches film. She really cares about the job. And then, you know, I even watch someone like Tony Romo these last couple of seasons on CBS, and it's apparent that he doesn't really put in the work or study. And I think a lot of these ex-players and coaches don't. So you're right. I mean, it's not just like, oh, great, like let's have representation for representation's sake. It's more about uh, they're not picking the best people for these roles if they keep going the ex-athlete and coach route, right? It's I'm like it's super interesting to me because I I watch these former players, former coaches, and I think uh, the biggest point of frustration for me is that it's not that like these are all men. Obviously, the majority of uh, former coaches are men. There's like a, an absurd lack of, uh, you know, yes. female representation in the NFL coaching stratosphere, uh, though that's, you know, slowly starting to to change. But like so obviously, if that's the pool of people that you're going with, yes, that's going to be all men. Um, but my question is, like, let's go back to building a product of entertainment. Like, right. let's literally go back to broadcasting sports journalism 101 and ask ourselves, why are these former players, former head coaches, the ones that we're pulling from? Because, it, like you said, the the lack of preparedness, if, uh, you know, even if we're hearing about what did, you know, how does your former experience as a head coach how does your former experience as a player in the NFL affect your analysis of this game? Like how does, uh, you know, your experience with uh, XYZ situation going into, um, you know, Arrowhead, for example, let's hear about what it was like, uh, you know, in this, you know, trying to call plays on the field in Arrowhead. Right. I want to hear about that. Like that's right. a broadcast I would tune in for. And that's not a broadcast that I would complain about watching seven men talk about if it's about your actual experience, but we're making game picks. We're talking about general NFL narratives. Um, you know, you're being provided stats by uh, all of those very well hidden, but uh, 
teams that uh, of researchers that should be celebrated behind every single NFL broadcast. Those stats aren't brought to you uh, by the former players, former head coaches. Those are stats uh, very cult, you know, carefully cultivated by uh, the giant team of researchers uh, that help support these broadcast teams. Like, there's so much that we could be bringing to that broadcast if that's the audience that you want to pull. Like, let's create an entertaining product. And I think to create an entertaining product, if that's our goal, it's to get the best in the business. You mentioned uh, Mina Kimes, one of my absolute favorite analysts, period, has nothing yeah. to do with her gender. Not my favorite Correct. female analyst. Right. She is my favorite analyst, period. Like, let's remove all gender labels. Um, you, you, you know, you, again, you have a, a much smaller pool of women that you can pull from, but like Cynthia Freeland, uh, her predictive mm -hmm. models have been immensely yeah. successful right. on NFL network. Um, you have like a, a voice like Kay Adams, who, yep. um, is one of the best, like NFL conversationalists and just like get these voices in the space, because unless we're bringing again, that on-field experience, I don't know what I'm getting out of this panel of seven former players and head coaches. Like what else are you bringing to the table? Cause I'd rather hear the sports. And honestly, as a woman, like I want to see somebody who looks like me. Like I, I want to see representation in a broadcast. I want to feel like I'm being marketed to. Um, I, right. it, it's, it's such basic marketing that we're just not, not really covering 46% of NFL fans ages eight plus are women and girls. Where right. are the women? Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly right. So yeah, one side of the equation is, as we were saying, you're not picking the best people for the job, regardless of gender. But there is that other side, as you mentioned, that is such a what just about half of NFL fans, women and girls, and you're not representing them as all at all. As, as you said, that's just in addition to not putting on the best product. That's just a huge marketing miss as well. Yeah. Like I, I think there are so many different levels that you can approach that conversation at. Like, first of all, we, we do want to provide more women in sports, the opportunity to have voices within sports media, um, just at face value, because, um, you know, again, you know, having that head coach player experience does not an entertainer make, um, not having that on the field experience doesn't mean you can't talk about the sport and enjoy the sport and have a very intricate uh, knowledge and understanding of the sport. Um, it's, it's so hard. And I, I, I struggle to come up with uh, the, you know, the punch back to those Twitter warriors and yeah. like figuring out how to navigate that conversation and explain to people that, um, women deserve a spot at the table to talk about sports it because it seems so basic yeah the twitter I, I struggle with the twitter thing i mean i wonder how many of those people are actual real human beings some of the time yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> but but i mean i do think that we I mean in recent years we have seen it i mean i think just mendoza is a great example when she was in the sunday night baseball booth not too long ago uh she was killed for her performance and sure i think i don't think she personally was a great analyst necessarily but i mean i think that anybody would be fooling themselves if they thought that her gender did not have a large role in the vitriol directed towards her yeah exactly yeah and it's it's just it's um it's interesting like it, there's 
almost this sort of notion that, you know, women, you have to prove yourselves right. to be sports fans. Like um, I had tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago, or I think it was last weekend um, when we were watching the 49ers, um, the, my wife and I were out at a bar. She uh, is part of the Niners Nation podcast and uh, was wearing her 49ers t-shirt. We're like there and uh, the gentleman next to us is saying like, oh, you're an NFL fan. Um I'm going to quiz you on where oh. various six round picks went to college. Oh my God. And then uh, quizzed her on, like, you know, okay, so who plays center for this team, this team, this team? She's like, do you know the answers to those questions? It's like, no. She's like, would you have asked me those if I were a man, you know, saying that I work for the NFL and I, I work for the Niners Nation podcast? He's like, no. Uh, oh, like, wow. There's a, yeah, like very blatant, but there's this notion that we have to prove ourselves beyond what a man would have to prove. Once mm. we sort of state our fandom, um, like you're allowed to just take, uh, you know, women fandom for what it is. And also like you're allowed to take, you know, football analysis from a woman at face value. Like it doesn't have to be football analysis from a woman, uh, it can be football analysis. And like, do you enjoy that analysis? Do you enjoy that commentary? Um, like, please let's, let's remove the, the gender from it entirely. Cause I just want to watch a fun broadcast. Like that's what I want to watch and watching like 60 year old men. Like I promise you, Alex, I promise you, if I told you that you were going to be able to watch like a bunch of 60 year old men, um, you know, like who are friends with your grandpa talk about football, <laughs> exactly. you, nobody would want to watch that product. Right. Nobody would, but because they like, they get, they, they do, they get a pass because of their, their, um, you know, history and, and what they've accomplished. All, like, don't get me wrong. All of these, um, men that we're talking about, like, especially on this, the specific Fox broadcast. So, so well accomplished uh their their careers have been outstanding um but like we we can't give them a pass as media analysts just because of their former tenures on the field and that's what gets me like i i want some i want the best voices for the job and i do think some of those voices are women yeah i mean it's really just a bunch of grab ass if you watch the fox panel especially it's just a lot oh. of yeah fake laughter it's really bad and, they're, they're the, and i think all those pre studio shows suffer to that to an suffer from that to an extent but fox has always been the worst and still and it's like it's a lot of you know grown men inside jokes like yeah it's, it's not bad. necessarily even you know they're the full extent of their broadcast isn't even about previewing the games or discussing the games like it is. It's a lot of grab ass and it's a lot like I I don't care. I don't I I just do not care about a bunch of 50, 60 year old men and their inside jokes. I I'm here to listen to uh your analysis on football and and you know, feel like I'm better prepared uh or more excited to tune into the game because of what I heard you talk about and that's not necessarily what I get. Um you know, like we want it, if that's the standard though, like coaches, former players, et cetera, like get, uh, you know, uh, Melissa Jacobs, uh, one of my favorite female voices in the the football space. She mentioned Amy Trask, um, yeah, former executive yeah. from the, the Raiders. Like she, she's a voice that we could very much benefit from hearing and she's involved in sports media, like get her on there. Like we can, there are right. women that 
can fit this very specific bill if that's what we're going for. We just need to think to include them and we need to be open when, you know, these broadcasts do finally bring them on because they have things to say that I want to hear. And I know, uh, you know, the 46% of NFL fans want to hear it too. That's a great point about Amy Trask with CBS, right? She's with CBS. Um, I, I, I forgot yes. but because I watched that pregame show too. I mean, you know, Phil Sims, like, I don't think he offers anything valuable. Why is he there besides, you know, instead of her? Well, I think because of what he accomplished as a player decades ago. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about you uh, mentioned here, Kate, is you said a few minutes ago, and I think it's hard for guys to conceptualize this. And I admit, I was surprised when you said that you and your wife, went out to a bar and a man really like that's like an SNL skit, right? A guy goes up and goes, can you name me all the six round picks? Like that's really still happening in 2023. It's hard to believe, but I guess it it is. Yeah. And you know, like my wife introduces herself, like she's a, she's a researcher for NFL network. (laughs) And she says, I, yeah, I work for NFL as a researcher, as a statistical researcher. And people are like, Oh, but, but, prove this to me. And she's like, I proved myself in like the six something interviews that it took me to get this job, uh, providing stats to all of these male broadcasters that you, uh, worship up and down. Like it, it, there is this element of proving yourself as a female sports fan. And the, the idea that you have to prove yourself tenfold, if you want to hold that tag as analyst, is it's just so it's exponential. It's that experience that we had in this bar, just watching the 49ers game, minding our own business and multiply that times a hundred times a thousand. And that's what, you know, female analysts in this space have to overcome to justify, you know, why they need a seat or why they deserve a seat on a broadcast like this and why they have something valuable enough to say. And, it's these little little shifts that we need to make in this, you know, discussion and pointing out the fact that that still happens today. I think that, um, you know, hopefully we'll start to, you know, continue to evolve our idea of what, you know, sports broadcasting looks like and what do we want to get out of the sports, uh, you know, broadcast experience as a viewer. And then, like, let's reshift the entire, like, I, I would love to just like blow it up, start from scratch and have Fox really think like, what, what would make a really entertaining product? And cause you know, at face value, your goal, right. Is to have, uh, to generate interest in the game that you're promoting, uh, that you're about to broadcast on your network. Um, you know, watching Terry Bradshaw play grab ass with, in you know, talk about Terry's money that nobody knows. Everybody knows is not Terry's money. Like that doesn't at all entice me to watch your product, like blow it up, start over. And yeah, like there are plenty of, of, you know, names, uh, in this space that are, that are male that I love to listen to, but there are a lot that I don't. And like, just literally start from scratch. And I would love to see the product that they actually came up with. If, gender weren't a barrier if former coaching experience or former playing experience weren't the only uh you know uh you know requirements yeah yeah like it it, i'd love to see what they could come up with because i think it could be a really good product but we'll see how that 
uh, if that ever comes to fruition. <laughs> well, maybe they'll listen to us here. Uh, Kate, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, welcome back to the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. As I was saying in the open, uh, we always like to have some Odyssey cross-promotion, cross-pollination here. Jesse Pantusco is a writer on our central team for Odyssey Sports and writes a lot about sports media. Jesse, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, excited to talk to you. As I said, always good to uh, get a couple get a couple Odyssey guys together here. Um, so let's just start here. And this has been a huge topic all postseason. I've written about it. Always gets crazy reaction. Tony Romo is one of the most polarizing broadcasters going today. Um, in general, what have you thought about his performance this postseason, which, uh, as you know, has garnered a lot of reaction, much of it vitriolic. Yeah, it's interesting because a few years ago he was so popular when he, you know, first broke onto the scene with CBS and now Twitter's sort of ganging up on him with the funny noises he makes and uh, his analysis. You know, I, I still, I still like how positive he is. And I think may- maybe some people have like a different approach that they think it's phony or whatever. But like, even back when like John Gruden was doing Monday night football, I appreciated how much like you could tell that he loved the game. Right. So I'm, I'm definitely not out on Romo. I, I understand some of the criticisms and, and they are valid. What I first liked about him when he, when he started out, he did a lot of the Romo Stradamus thing. Right. I, I always go back to that chiefs Patriots AFC championship. Me too. Yep. I wrote about that this week. Exactly. Yeah, yep. the Fourth quarter and overtime where he just predicted every throw Brady was going to do to Gronk yes. or Edelman. That was, yep. that was amazing. I feel like you don't see that quite as much. And last week he sort of had the on-air blooper where it seemed like he was like eating, which <laughs> was kind of, kind of weird, but you know, uh, I'm, I don't have any like strong, strong opinions on Romo. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I think he's a nice enough guy. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely seems nice, and his enthusiasm, uh, I think, is palpable. Um, but, you know, I think the big issue with him is, and it's a contrast with Greg Olson, who was so good in the fourth quarter of Cowboys 49ers, so on top of the action. And I think the big thing with Romo is, you mentioned when he first started, the Rome Stradamus, that AFC title game, was crazy. I mean, just embarrassing the Chiefs left and right. Like, he knew what was going on. They had no idea. But you also have to remember that when Romo, you know, Back then, 17, 18, he was so recently removed from his playing career. He knew the defenses. He knew the coaches. He knew the players from all of his firsthand experience. Now I think that we're six, seven years removed from his playing career. That's changed. He doesn't know all the players anymore. He doesn't know all the defenses. And I think that to stay on top of things, you have to really study and really put in the work, which I don't think he had to do early on because, as I said, he was so recently removed from his playing career. And now I think, frankly, it's apparent that he's not putting in the work because I think, as you said, we get less of that real actual analysis and more noises and shtick. That's just my read on it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's also just an exposure thing. And he's just sure. not he's not the new guy anymore. Yeah. So we've had like four or five years now. And, you know, he's not the novelty that he once was. I think what we're looking for in good broadcasters that and it was, you mentioned Greg Olson, that he does a good job of. And it's something that Roma's still good at is he brings a lot of energy and positivity without but while still sounding genuine but also providing, you know, smart analysis, which Olsen did a really good job of uh, absolutely in the, in the fourth quarter of that, that Cowboys 49ers game. And you don't want it to sound gimmicky, but yeah, there's, you know, anytime a guy's around long enough, we've, we've seen criticisms of people that think that Collinsworth shtick is yeah. a little over the top and that, you know, he's, he's favoring Patrick Mahomes too much. Yeah. And, and just, just, you know, when we see the, the more we see of these guys, I think, I think, we pick up on their tendencies and habits and totally. they might start to annoy us a little bit. I know Al Michaels got absolutely annihilated for his sort of la- seeming lack of energy with, with Tony Romo on that Saturday night chiefs yeah. or I'm sorry, chargers Jaguars games where uh, just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. I, I don't know if it was just that he's had a lot of kind of brutal Amazon games this year. And the first time he comes back to NBC, he gets what seems like it's going to be a snoozer with that like 27, nothing first half, but he should have, you know, amped up the energy and he just kind of didn't for what was this all time comeback. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of different factors, um, you know? Yeah, no, no, that that's totally right. I mean, we love to crap on broadcasters. Every, everyone thinks they can do it really is what it comes down to. Um, I would also say Al Michaels is 78 and I think that it would be perfectly reasonable if at 78 years old, uh, he's just not as enthusiastic about the job as he was in the past. Right. I think that probably explains Al Michaels. Yeah. He's kind of just doing NBC a favor, right? He's like an emeritus status after they basically pushed him out for Tariqa last year. Probably better about that too. And they, you know, they didn't do do him any favors pairing him with a a low, sort of a low energy guy like. Uh, Dungy, who I think is better suited for, you know, studio and like pre and post game work. Dungy's, I think he's awful in any role. Um, I don't think he's said anything valuable in his entire time at NBC. And it's been quite a while. Never um, seen how problematic he can be with some of his, uh, you oh. know, tweets that he's had to apologize That's for. brutal. I know. Like the DeMar, at the March for Life rally, even bring up DeMar Hamlin. At one point last week, I said, like, is Dungy... Is he trying to get fired? Like that was that was it was very strange. Very I had him like a weak apology too. It was like a tweet of like a screen grab of a text he sent somebody. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was very strange. He didn't, he didn't even do the notes app that like most celebrities do when they're doing an apology. It was like a a screen grab of a text, which is kind of weird. But yeah, it, it was very strange. Doesn't look um, like he's going to face any real consequences for it either. So no. And my thing on Dungey is, and I write about a lot this a lot on Outsports, my other gig. Um, you know, I think that at this point, I don't. I'm not in favor of people losing their jobs for their political beliefs or beliefs on social issues because the truth is, your views on same-sex marriage has nothing to do with your ability to analyze the NFL. But I think with Dungy, his rhetoric is so extreme. And especially that tweet last week, uh, kids identifying as cats using litter boxes, just, you know, this grotesque conspiracy theory. I do think it's fair to ask NBC, you know, are you okay with this guy being one of the faces of your NFL coverage, given how vocal he is? And frankly, he's very extreme views as that tweet last week would show that that would be my argument about Dungy. 
Yeah, he's this guy that we've always always kind of viewed as like a father figure and like a really nice guy, a very, you know, religious uh, man. Um, so it was, it was definitely a, sort of an ugly side of him to see that week. And I think, you know, it would have been nice to see NBC address it directly instead of this sort of half-hearted apology. But, you know, I guess it is what it is. Yeah. What do you think about Tom Brady? Do you think that... Uh... When he comes to Fox, if first of all, do you think we'll ever see Tom Brady call an NFL game for Fox? I'm like sort of starting to doubt it. I don't like it's crazy that he wouldn't because they're, you know, without him having any experience in that role, we have no idea if he'd be any good at it or not. They're already giving him more than he made as a player, 375 million. That's a lot of money to just leave on the table. Um, but I think We've seen Greg Olson a couple of years now, and he's he's pretty good at it. Really so is. it would kind of stink to 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 you know demote him to that that uh, second team at Fox when he he's been so good. And Brady's last couple of years have sort of done his public image no favors. And yeah, I I I don't know how he's going to be as a, a media personality. We've seen him sort of venture into that realm, but everything he does is so. So scripted. You know, kind, kind of rehearsed and staged, yeah. like like that podcast moment the other oh. day with, with Jim Gray, which seemed totally fake. and Oh, and cheesy. Up. And that's the type of job where I know, I think we kind of want to see like what your real personality is. And he's been so guarded and sort of presenting, you know, this persona that he that he wants you to, to see. So I, I don't know. I have my doubts about it. Uh, we'll see. It's obviously the trend in sports media is just to, you know, jam a, a broadcast with as many big names and celebrities as possible and sort of work out the rest later, finding out if Brady's any good at it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that unfold. I don't think that's, I mean, I think, I don't think Brady's going to retire this year. So I think that's still yeah. another year or two down the road uh, at least. Yeah. And I said it last week on the show. At that point, you know, Greg Olson will have cemented himself and, you know, Brady will have lost interest or, want to do something else well right and that's what i was talking about on the show last week it is telling to me that fox does not reportedly does not plan to use brady on its super bowl coverage this year and like you said you know i think tom brady's star is already kind of fading i mean i don't think there's a i don't think there's nearly as much interest in brady as there was two three years ago when he was going through his first free agency run and like you said i think overexposure has a lot to do with it um, so we'll see about that. And I think that Greg Olson is a great example of the fact that, look, like you don't have to be the biggest name to be a great analyst. He is a very good analyst and they're not in the proof is in the ratings, right? So ESPN this year, of course, had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling Monday night football, and it did give Monday night a quote unquote big time feel. And I think by the way, they're an excellent duo, but the ratings this year for Monday night football were actually worse than they were last year. Because the games were worse, right? I mean, so it's 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 simple. Like broadcasters do not attract ratings, and you know, I think Fox is going to learn that with Tom Brady. That's the dirty game. secret about all of this that they're spending. You know, especially this last year with Al Michaels defecting to Amazon and Kirk Herbstreit working this insane schedule at both ESPN. Um, you know, there, there's just throwing so much money at broadcasters would Troy Aikman get like 90 million from ESPN. And it's sort of just, you know, it sort of doesn't matter because people are going to tune in anyway. So, you know, you, I don't, it, 
people, it was interesting at the time to see all these big names, but I don't, if you can pay Greg, Greg Olson, you know, a couple of million instead of paying 37 million a year for Tom Brady, just cause he's a big game, big name. And you don't know if he's going to be good at it or not. I just, I guess they're making so much money that they can, you know, as sort of a luxury to get that big name, but I don't think, I don't think they have to. It's just been really interesting to watch this sort of media arms race, um, just throwing money at all these big name celebrity broadcasters. Most definitely. Um, you know, but as you said, there's so much money around like Fox pays the NFL north of $2 billion per year to broadcast games. And I think that, you know, it's their most valuable TV franchise by a long run. And like, you, it's almost like, like how much was Jerry Seinfeld making at the, at Seinfeld's apex? I don't know, like, Oh, I think they offered him like over a hundred million to do a 10th season, which he en- didn't end up doing, but he still makes so much off syndication. Right. You know? Right. And that was a hundred million back in, uh, you know, the, 98. Yeah. the, right, the mid late nineties. Yeah. So who knows what it would be now? So I think that they're thinking, so now the NFL is by far CBS is the most valuable product. Fox is the most valuable product. So I think that it's almost worth comparing a guy like Tony Romo to Jerry Seinfeld, if you catch my drift, right? So I think that that maybe is part of the reason why you see all this. Yeah, and that's sort of what they're doing on ESPN with the Manning cast too. Because, you know, Peyton Manning, we all, as soon as he, you know, finished his playing career, he'd been sort of like a colorful personality, been on hosted SNL, had been on tons of commercials. You just assumed he was going to do something in sports media. And he has, and it's been kind of a little different, just doing Definitely. like the ESPN streaming stuff with his Peyton's places and really setting his own terms by saying, we're not going to do a Monday night every week. You know, we're going to have fun and do it like a podcast and drink a little bit. And I'm just going to do it from my own, my own house or, or wherever in Denver um, instead of, you know, working this hectic schedule and traveling uh, for every big game. Last thing for you, Jesse, we're both East Coast guys, um, so we know a lot about Mike and the Mad Dog. I watched that 30 for 30, even though I'm a Boston guy, sports radio geek, so well aware of them. Uh, ESPN is planning a Mike and the Mad Dog reunion next week on First Take. Um, But here's my question to you, and it's something I've talked about before. Do we, in our own Twitter worlds, do we overrate the interest and Mike and the Mad Dog, I think yes, because A, they last did a show together in what, 2007? So now we're like 15, 16 years removed from the last Mike and the Mad Dog. They're so regional. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It, this is something I think like gets a lot of buzz on East Coast sports media Twitter. But in terms of like moving the needle nationally, I just, I think we overrate how much people care. What do you say? Yeah, I, I don't know because I've always lived on the East Coast. Right, that's I, true. I grew up with those guys, so I don't know what the West Coast perspective is. Um, Mad Dog has sort of been introduced, reintroduced to a wider audience doing these Wednesday first takes with Stephen A. And one thing I, I will say about Mad Dog that I think is a little different than Francesa is Mad. I don't think Mad Dog takes himself too seriously. He no, knows right. he's playing an over-the-top, you know, character wrestling heel, heel if you will sort of in the realm of Stephen a or skip bayless um and he, he's kind of in on the joke and i think francesa doesn't necessarily have that view of himself i think he takes everything super seriously i mean people used to used to troll by by calling into his show sort of you know getting him to take the bait and he would fall for it sometimes i i am i'm interested i will probably watch same for the novelty of it just because 
in watching that documentary, we know they didn't have always, you know, the greatest relationship. They had falling outs, periods where they like wouldn't talk to each other off air. And I think, you know, the breakup with Mad Dog going to Sirius in 07 or 08 or whenever it was sort of rubbed Francesa the wrong way. So it's been it's been cool to see them kind of get back together, with, whether do certain reunions and autograph signings and conventions um, together the last couple of years. It'll be. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I don't know if it's a story that'll like last beyond, you know, the 24 hour news cycle next Wednesday, um, which I believe is when it's going to be. But yeah, uh, just putting all, all those, you know, talents in the same room with Stephen A too is going to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun, a fun day uh, in sports media for sure. Most certainly. And we'll be writing about it. Uh, Jesse, thanks for the time. Appreciate it.